Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? This is Jason Harris, and thank you for joining me on another episode of the Matador Yachtcast. That's correct. I said Yachtcast, not podcast. We're here in sunny Tampa, Florida, right outside of the Digital Dealer Conference, and I am here with some amazing guests, and we're going to talk about some fun stuff. Welcome to the Matador Yachtcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. I have the one, the only, the awesome Steve Apicella. You got it. <laughs> yes, I got it. <laughs> I got you Aaron. Got I got Aaron Zabarak with me, and I have Michael Lefthand. Guys, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me. No problem. Great to be thank here. Thank you. We're on a boat. We're on a boat. Yeah. Yes. You know, I've done podcasts in a lot of cool places. I've done trains, planes, a lot of automobiles. <laughs> And when we were heading down here, I was like, you know what? I've never done a podcast on a boat. Check it off the you list. Know? Yeah. Now, you know, now, the funny story goes is that, you know, originally it was supposed to be just a dinghy because I thought it'd be like really funny to get like a, a, a guest into this tiny little dinghy. And we we're like, like the water and we're trying to do this. We're trying to have a Wind podcast. I thought it'd be really funny. And then I don't know how it evolved to this. It's right. a little bit bigger. I, well, I, told, <laughs> I told you when I arrived, the location said yacht on the marina. And I thought it was the name of a restaurant. How cute. And no, it's a yacht on the marina. <laughs> there we go. That's what we're calling it. The, the yacht cast. Yes. Um, hey, you know what? I'd like to kick off all of our yacht cast with a... <laughs> With a little origin story, A, because I'm always fascinated. So, Michael, I'm going to start with you, and then I'll work my way down. How sure. did you get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? Um, well, I went to college, and I graduated uh, in four years, surprisingly. And um, I was a communications major, and I did not know what I wanted to do uh, with myself, because it's a very broad major. <laughs> uh, spent a lot of money for that broad major. And... Um, yeah, I mean, I, my buddy was in the car business. He was a manager at a dealership in my town, and uh, he's like, "Why don't you, why don't you just come over here, check out the BDC?" And you know, he needed some help, and that was it. I started as a, a BDC agent, <laughs> and uh, it was nice and close to home. I mean, I live in a town with a lot of car dealers, yep. um, so it was. I guess I drove by them a lot and never realized they were even there. <laughs> um, but you know, it was. Uh, very easy for me. I mean, I'm good at communicating. I went to school for it. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of, that's how it started. And um, I, l I love the fact that you stumbled into the business. We appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. no problem. We're, Anything glad, I we're, we're glad you got into it. And so, uh, yeah, that was it. That's how That's how I started in, in the BDC. That's where I've, I've stayed in the dealership. Mm -hmm. I haven't done anything else but BDC, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> I became a manager three years into working, so I'm, awesome. I'm a, I was started as a rep, which I, I kind of appreciate now because when you manage people, they want, you know, I think what people want is somebody who's done the job already. Yes. Um, and that's me. I mean, I'm a, I'm a rep for the people, um, <laughs> you know, in terms of pay plans and stuff like that. I, I get it. And, it's you know, it's tough to manage, but um, I've been there and I think my workers appreciate it, you know, and I appreciate all the work that they do. Well, it, it's, um, it's really hard to create that, what I call call culture. Mm. You know, we talk a lot about sales culture, but there is it, something that happens in a, a well put together BDC, we call it call culture. And you know, it's, it's tough to get to that point, man. So. Yeah. So it's very uh, cool. that's it. That's me. Aaron, for yourself, how did you get started in the business? Yeah, you think you started young. Uh, <laughs> I was 15 years old, oh. and my aunt was a title clerk for a dealership, and they said, hey, we need uh, some filing done. You want to come in for two weeks, do that. Um, 
So 27 years later, I am still in the industry. But um, yeah, so one of my favorite things to tell people is I have worked in pretty much every place in the dealership. I was a file clerk, a cashier, a receptionist. You want to know who's really running your store? It's your receptionist. Yes. Um, service department, I was a service writer. Uh, F&I, and that was uh, late 90s, early 2000s. I got my degree, um, and I came back, and that was just when the internet was starting. Uh, and they said, hey, we're going to do this website and this business development center thing. There's an empty building. Just go take a computer and a phone over there, and if you could figure that out, <laughs> that'd be great. So I did, and uh, we did. And so I was the BDC manager for um, a five-store group, accounted for about 15% of the total sales for the group. Uh, unsold showroom, I'll tell you, the hardest <laughs> job in the world yeah, is making cold one. calls, unsold <laughs> showroom calls, um, internet phone ups. Um, I did that for quite some time and then I uh, found my way to Synchro on our consulting team. So I took, you're exactly right, dealers want to work with who has done it before. Don't mm -hmm. come in and tell me how to do things you've never done or tried. <laughs> I'm not interested. Um, consulted for Nissan dealers and helped them get better. Now for Synchro, I work on our marketing team and our sales team and uh, host monthly webinars to just share proven practices and help dealers get better because if dealers don't sell more cars, Nobody else here has a job. That's true. So. It's it's the it's the the gear that keeps the machine running yes. for sure. Steve, yourself, how did you get started in this crazy little world? It's a thirty minute show, and you guys sucked up all of it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. So you said there's three ways to get into the industry and one way to get out, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, the path to success is a squiggly line, is it not? Um, I've always been a part of the dealer support community, a vendor. Uh, I started off as a service vendor and saw a vacancy between sales and service that I started a technology company and we now deploy an app that helps connect the disconnected parts of that ownership journey after the point of sale. That's awesome. And you know what, I think that's a good segue into kind of what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about that customer journey. And, and I think, you know, uh, as an industry, we spend so much time talking about the inquiry, you know, and the consideration, and then how do we get them to purchase? And it seems like as we far, go farther, farther down that journey, the less and less we talk about it. And then when I think of the service journey, and for me, the service journey is really what sets the stage for loyalty. And it, it, I think more so now than ever, it is just incredibly important that we really define, map out what that service journey is, what technologies we're going to use, what communications we're going to use, what processes we're going to have to put in place. So I guess, guys, this will be kind of my, my first question is, you know, for the last 24 months, a lot of change has happened. And I'd love to kind of get your guys' take on, you know, what has changed in that service journey from maybe a technology perspective or a people perspective or a process. I'll let you guys kind of choose. Michael, I'll start with you and I'll work my way down. Oh, um, from the service side, I'm, you know, uh, well, I'm not a digital dealer to talk about texting. <laughs> um, and what I'm seeing is, you know, a lot of customers who are wanting service done uh, are texting into the dealership. They can't get through on the phone for whatever reason, uh, which I'm sure every dealer might have an issue with sometimes. Um, but when they can't get through, they want to reach out and they want to get handled via text. And so we've uh, started to service BDC at my store, which they've never had in the 30 plus years. Um, and it was kind of like, a, a, not an arm twist, but kind of like, hey, this is what's going on. What can we do to fix it? 
and um, adding that person has made a huge difference. Um, she answers the phones, but she also is in my texting programs that we use and um, responding to customers that way. But what I think I've seen over the past, you know, 24 months is a shift to that. You know, mm -hmm. people are, uh, you know, want to be connected with the dealership. How are they doing that? You know, and texting is, is a big part of it. Um, and we've seen that increase within the last, you know, two years. But it's meeting the customer on their turf. And, and I agree with you. I mean, I, the, some of the biggest changes we've seen in the last 24 months has been around communication. And the theme really has been we communicate the way the customer wants us to communicate, not the way we want to. That's, uh, that's to me, the biggest part about it all. When even the sales process is mm -hmm. the inquiry, whatever. The people are saying in the inquiry how they wanted to be communicated with. They're saying, "Hey, this is my. I'm not giving you my phone number, um, right?" So then we reach out and we say, "Hey, listen, we're not going to bombard you with calls. We'll we'll text you." And people are much more uh, willing to give us their cell phone number as long as we don't blow them up, you know, via phone. People are sick of the robocalling and you know <laughs> spam calls, all yes. sorts of stuff. Um, you know, so but texting is immediate, and they get they get the answer they need pretty fast. You know, fast. I think everybody knows business is built on relationships. Mm -hmm. But the part we have to remember is good long-standing relationships require good communication to thrive. If the litmus test is stop communicating with your significant other or a business partner or your customer, the relationships die. And That's as an industry, point. we have to ask ourselves, is it our mission to only sell a car and maybe a couple of F&I products or to also earn a reoccurring customer. Mm -hmm. And this is that journey. Actions and processes speak louder than words. Everybody will say the reoccurring customer is what we desire. 100%. But are we, what are we doing to earn that? And communication is a big part of that. And I think a lot of that has to do with the process. And Aaron, I know that's really kind of your big forte. You know, what, what, what do you think has changed or what needs to still change? You know. Yeah, I think a service BDC is fantastic and not very many stores across country have one. Mm -hmm. And think about once you develop those processes for after the sale, setting that first oil change appointment, we want our salesperson to schedule it. How yes. often does that actually happen? <laughs> so how many of those oil changes are we losing to Jiffy Lube? Where if you can get that customer in your shop one time, you can get them in a second and third. So developing the processes, not just for the sale, but for the ongoing maintenance. One of the best processes you can set with the service BDC is uh, surrounding declined services. Mm -hmm. So if you have an op code on your RO for declined services, once the customer says no, how many months down the road is that customer thinking, that's still making that noise, wish I would have handled that. <laughs> and if somebody gives them a call or sends a text, hey, I know it wasn't the right time. We've got 10% off right now. Can you pick some of that up? So it's not just saying, yeah, we're gonna have somebody call. We're gonna have somebody text. It's making sure you have long-term processes in place to support the business, to make sure you're supporting your reps too with the process so they know what they're doing. Oh, 100%, 100%. I mean, I think, you know, what, uh, well, the last four months have shown us a lot of things. It's shown us a lot in communications, but I think it's really shown us that, you know, the, the process, that really is what defines that customer experience, you know? And that in that service part of your journey is so incredibly important to get to that place of loyalty. And it's those processes that really solidify 
you know, my loyalty with, with a dealership. Yeah, if I'm a dealer, if I'm a service <laughs> manager, I want everybody knowing this is how we handle our customers. This yes. is the customer experience. It's not how does Joan want to talk to them? What does Martin want to say? These names are coming out of my head, Joan and Martin. <laughs> um, it, this is my process for my store, and you are going to follow it because this is what's best for the customer. 100%. 100%. I, I'd actually kind of like to go maybe even a little farther uh, with with the kind of that people theme, right? Because I'd kind of like to get your guys' kind of thoughts on, on you know, we've talked a lot about how the technology has changed, you know, or, or in it, because a customer demands it. We've talked a lot about how the process needs to change. You know, I feel like the people fundamentally, you know, who we're hiring, how we're hiring, and what we're looking for in them has changed. I'd love to kind of get your takes on it. Steve, I'll start with you and I'll work my way down. You know, I think one of the things that we need to embrace as an industry, the difference between our perspective and the customer's perspective. Mm. Um, when should retention begin? Should begin before the sale and continue throughout the customer's ownership journey together. The problem our industry has, our great industry, I think we're doing a lot of things well. Yes, I agree. But I think that we still have some missing pieces is that sales and service are treated like two separate companies under one roof. Mm. We all know that, right? We smile, we giggle at it, we chuckle at it, but it's a problem because the customer feels that too. When a customer traditionally buys a car from a dealership, there is no introduction to service. After they buy the car, it feels like, okay, transaction and therefore relationship is over and then somebody else picks up the pieces somewhere else down the way. 100%. We can refine the hell out of all the sales processes and all of the service processes, but until we fix the gap in between the two, we'll never really realize that total customer ownership journey because that includes, or should include, before, during, and after the sale to the customer is one continuous experience, not separate pieces. That's a great point, Aaron. Yeah, and it's not unique to just the in-person mm. experience. It's the online experience as well. I think of how many websites are designed yeah. and the content is added. And then you say, hey, what about fixed ops? And the marketing manager goes, oh, uh, yeah, I better get a hold yeah. of the Becomes service a footnote. manager. Yeah. <laughs> if you are a service manager and you are not heavily involved in managing the content for your department on your website, you're missing out. Um, it, it does a lot of things. It not only, of course, informs the customer, let them schedule online, but give them the FAQs. What are those things your customers are calling and asking about? Mm -hmm. uh, pull your service writers. They'll tell you, these are the questions I've answered five times this week. Get it on your website. It arms your service BDC with the answers that they need so that they don't have to interrupt the service writer. All of this is designed to help the people, to yes. arm the people with the information they need. Let your service writers help your customers and upsell. That's their job. And let your website answer some of those questions. Let your service BDC schedule the next appointment, confirm appointments. Uh, it's really empowering people to do the job that they need to do, but fixed ops gets forgotten so often. Well, it's, it's, it's very true. I mean, I think about from just from the website perspective, as you were saying this, I was thinking, I mean, you know, for the department that generates, all right, a <laughs> tremendous amount of the profitability um, and sometimes can cover the entire expense of a dealership, you know, but then I'm thinking about the real estate that's actually allocated to that on the website. There's Nothing probably, on the homepage. Yeah, there's, there's, there's five or 600 pages and customer, customers see and feel service. that. They yes. see and feel that. I, I actually agree with you. I think that yeah. they, they feel that. All right, uh, 
we're going to go down this rabbit hole a little more, but I want to get Michael's perspective on how, how do you think that the, the people have changed? You know, is it the same type of BDC before, you know, the pandemic? Is is it changed? No, nah, the whole the whole thing's, it's like flipped upside it's down. A, okay, it's all good. The, um, <laughs> and I can tell you because the great, the best part about where I work, I think, is the longevity of the people who've worked there. Um, my, my dealer has been open for like 36, 37 years. Some of the service people came with the store. Um, my general sales manager has been there 25 years. My desk managers have been there 20 years. Um, when the pandemic first started, we closed for three days, literally only three days. So there was <laughs> nobody there for three days and we opened back up April 1st and, uh, it was just the managers. And I can tell you that my general sales manager was not prepared to do business um, the way we ended up doing it. We sold 97 cars that month, oh. April, <laughs> without a salesperson. Yes. And we did all those deals via text message, via the internet, via uh, any form of communication that wouldn't require somebody to be physically at the store. Mm -hmm. um, people were sending me pictures, and I'm still doing it now. People send us pictures of their license, front and back. Um, people, I have them getting insurance. They're emailing me the binder. Um, my, this is like, you know, my general sales manager's never conducted business this way. Mm -hmm. um, but credit to him, he saw and knew what was going on and said, we have to pivot. We have to make this change and do business this way, maybe now forever. Um, and he, credit to him, like I said, it's, he's, it was harder for him to come to that realization. And, um, you know, if we didn't do it that way, would we have sold 97 cars that month? I, I, I seriously <laughs> doubt it. Um, and, you know, in the months moving forward, we ended up bringing salespeople, like two salespeople back in June. Uh, I mean, I was worked pretty hard that first month of April, and I told my general manager, I'm like, I can't do this again. You know, like, I mean, I'm talking to hundreds of people. Yes. Um, and, and it was hard. And luckily, we, we he, he listened to me and we hired, you know, somebody just like me. Um, to work and, and with me in the internet department. We didn't bring back another salesperson. We brought somebody back for the internet. Mm -hmm. um, and we're able to, you know, dig ourselves out of like, kind of like a hole, but um, a good hole. And, uh, you know, making, selling 97 cars is better than selling zero, um, which, which we ultimately, we could have done that. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe some other dealers did because we were pretty busy. <laughs> um, I just feel like that was a big, big change for us, and it was something I think we handled pretty well, uh, considering. And um, yeah, I think from the, that the, the, the whole thing changed. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the whole people have definitely changed, and and I think because we've seen what we can do with less, I think our processes are tightening up. I think our communication efforts are tightening up. Um, but I do want to get back to kind of everyone you were talking about, CVN mentioned as well, is kind of about the website because I actually feel like that is the place that hasn't tightened up yet. Mm. Where like we've tightened up our processes with our people and our systems and our technologies, but the websites are still the same as they were before. And I mean, they're still getting paid the same. <laughs> they're still getting paid the same. And it's just like, and I, I, I mean, I'd love to kind of get your guys' kind of thoughts of, you know, what does that digital dealership look like for them? You know, that same rhetorical question I said earlier, is it the auto industry's mission to only sell a car and maybe a few F&I products or to mm -hmm. also earn a reoccurring customer? The website tells you mm -hmm. we're in the business of selling cars. That's what we're doing. And even though every dealer would tell you, no, we're in the business of the reoccurring customer and loyalty, 
But again, action and processes speak louder than words. Customers yes. perceive this. And at the end of a transaction, my first that's what I see, right? At it's the end of a transaction, even a digital one, like I love digital retailing. I think it just casts a wider net, right? That's what it's there for. Whether it's 3% of customers or five, you're casting a wider net. Why not, mm -hmm. right? Digital transformation of any kind, whether it's text messaging or an advanced application, is not there to diminish the in-person engagement. It's there to enhance it. It's there to remove the pain points and connect the way people want to connect so you improve the engagement with customers. I think the brick and mortar industry's resistance to digital transformation before the pandemic was, wait a minute, look at our building. Look at how much we've spent here. Look mm -hmm. at our people. Mm -hmm. Why would I want to invest in technology? But the pandemic forced people to take a sobering look at, no, the technology can help us do our job better. And that's important. Yeah, and absolutely. But I think you've got to start, as with everything, when you're looking at all the fanciness, the TikToks, the, all the new and, and the greatest, start with the organic first. Yeah, we'll get to paid. Even with Google, we'll get to paid. But if your SEO isn't in order, don't even look at it yet because you're not even taking care of what's free. <laughs> and when it comes to fixed ops, BTOB, if it's not on your website, you're doing it wrong and 100%. OEMs are gonna ha they a lot of them have requirements you've got to have this stuff don't do the bare minimum add what the customer needs and it's really working with your website vendor to make sure that you're feeding them the content mm -hmm. you've got to give them your service menu and spoiler alert you got to give them the prices <laughs> to put up there if I go to Jiffy Lube I know how much it's gonna cost me to get things done <laughs> if I can't find that information on your website I assume it's more expensive and oftentimes it's not. Depending on the service, it's not more expensive to get it done at the dealership. Nope. And customers would rather have that name brand associated with the car. So it's really working with your vendor and then yeah, absolutely reviewing the data. And I don't wanna see the vendor's <laughs> good news report. I don't wanna see the report that says, because of us, you serviced 100 more cars. No, I want the Google Analytics behind it. And if yes. your vendor is not providing you Google Analytics-based data, you need to start asking questions. Your website Great vendor. Point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Michael, for yourself, like, you know, how do you, how do you see the, the website? I mean, I, I just think it's the one place that just quite hasn't necessarily evolved. I mean, from the service side, I don't think there's enough uh, uh, real estate there. From the people side, there's definitely not enough real estate there. I mean, you know, I, I think the BDC, and I think of BDC as really being that that people department. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like, we call ourselves a people business. We're in the people business, right? Yep. There's one page. One page <laughs> out of hundreds and hundreds of pages on a website that actually talks about the people. But anyways, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox. I, wanna get, I want you to get on yours. Um, how do you think that website needs to change, man? Oh, man. I think um, I know for a fact I'm out of touch with the website. And, and what I mean by that is I'm the only one using the desktop, right? So I'm the only one who's, because honestly, I'm sitting in front of a computer with two screens all day. <laughs> yes. and, I'm, and I'm the one using the website the most, more than a consumer. But I'm using the actual like desktop version of it. No one is doing that. I'm sure. the only idiot, <laughs> you know? I'm the only one using it that way. So for me, I think the mobile experience on a website needs mm -hmm. to be that ultimately like whenever I if I'm hearing from my website provider which I'm not I don't really talk to them enough but they should be well, calling hey, me uh, hey would you like to have a conversation after <laughs> this podcast well they should be we calling me they should be calling me and saying hey check out this new mobile website design they need 
I mean, because to me, that is where the experience is going. People it's, are. It's, it's a first. It's a first experience. Yep. And the next, and it's literally setting the stage to connect with your BDC. Correct. Exactly. And and and. I have a button on there to text, right? So people go. can do that right away, so right on my website. Congrats. And that's, but that's the, you know, and we get a lot of people off of that, but I know they're on my website, but I know they're on their cell phone. And, and I know that because they're texting me. <laughs> they are, but don't be so hard on yourself because look at the data. Uh, I live in Washington State, Bellevue, Washington, Tech Capital, Microsoft, Amazon, there's everything there. If you look at dealership analytics, over half still, close to 60% are still on desktop because they're screwing around at work. Yeah. So <laughs> you've got to manage both and your right. website providers got to have a mobile first attitude. Yes, correct. And that's, that's basically what I'm saying. I, I wish we were better at it. Uh, because when I go on my mobile site, I do find it a little difficult to use. I'm going to be honest. Um, you know, but I, I do think that the customer um, does judge us based off of that. And, uh, and the easier it is, I think, to get a question answered that they have, um, the better for the customer and the experience that they're having. The idea of um, being able to get the right answer to the customer, too, right away, is it important? I think the website, you know, obviously is where people go to try to get those questions answered. If that makes sense. No, 100%, 100%. Hey, guys, I know we're getting towards the tail end of our time, but I get to ask at least one more question before I let you guys go. We, you know, we are here at Digital Dealer. I love coming to these conferences. You know, even as a dealer, I mean, I would come back with, with notebooks, notebooks of things I wanted to put in place at my dealership. And I'd love to kind of get, you know, maybe one thing that you guys hope anybody attending event or even events like this, all right, is taking back and putting into action at their dealership right now. What would be that one thing? I'll start with you, Steve, and I'll work my way down. You know, I think, you know, we are a digital dealer. Um, one of the things that I think is obvious here, very consistent with our conversation, is take a look at the floor and I'm a fan of Digital Dealer. I, if you haven't come to this, you should reconsider it. It's a great event. Is 98% of what's on the floor is about how to acquire a customer. So if we're really interested in that long-term relationship, we have to start investing in it. I hope to see more of that as we continue to grow. But these events, the educational forums that are here, I think are the first thing. Mm -hmm. The ability to hear, I mean, more than any other event, dealers, are here, vendors are here, OEMs are here doing these speaking engagements. And the opportunity to collaborate together is a thing that I think is highly desired. Vendors have to work more closely with vendors. Dealers yes. have to work more closely with vendors so that we produce the desired result at the end of the day. And I hope that collaboration is something to take home. I like that, it's a great one. Erin, for yourself? That's a really good one, <laughs> uh, the collaboration. But for me, um, and we heard about it in one of the panels earlier, April with Horn Automotive Group mm -hmm. talked about, get ready for Google Analytics 4, whether you like it or not, <laughs> here it comes. We have a date. Um, and if you are not preparing your instance for the right, with the right tags, with the right, right tracking, mm -hmm. you're gonna be behind the eight ball. So you've got to get ahead of that. Make sure the vendors you're working with are ready for it as well. Uh, those are questions you should be asking now. Um, at Synchro, we have new reporting launching later this summer uh, with uh, some more Google tracking because that's where it's at, is how to dealer groups especially. How do you look at all your storefronts? How do you look at it all in one place? Mm -hmm. uh, marketing managers across groups, you're the true heroes. You've got so much to do. But 
GA4 preparation, I think, is where everybody's head needs to be at. I definitely think in the next, well, now, and obviously the next couple of months, it's absolutely where their yeah. head is. Because GA4 takes such a different approach to analytics. It oh, takes yeah. a very e-commerce approach and, and stage approach versus, you know, in the past, analytics has always been from this point to lead submission. Now it's everything in between there is being tracked and yeah. how we set up those conversions, how we set up the tracking yeah. is very, very different. Everything's so that's a great different. Point. Great point. And very you're going to be scared at first. You're going <laughs> to see things go down and you're going to think, what the heck happened? Well, so. Because it's actually measuring engagement. Exactly. It's not necessarily, look, you're still getting the results, but now it's like, it, it's a much better system to show what the engagement or the steps were Absolutely. to get those results. So I'm yeah. with you. That's a great one. Michael, for yourself. Um, well, as I mentioned, I'm here to talk about texting. <laughs> yes. Like going blue in the face. I love texting. Um, the, I, I think for me and for uh, I'm in the trenches still working at the dealership. So for me, it's a little different. Um, I can tell you that over the course of the last 24 months, the only thing that's changed in my store is texting. Um, and from that, we've sold a lot of cars. Um, growing at a rate that my service department can't keep up with mm -hmm. uh, which is why we've bought some land and we're going to be making a new service center that's awesome um but the idea i think for me and the biggest change or what i'm recognizing is communicating with people the way they want to be communicated with um, whether that's email only or if they want but the thing about texting though is that it can lead to a, a successful phone call oh 100 percent hey uh, you know what? We're going back and forth here. Do you do you have time for a quick phone call? And the person says yes, nine times, ten times out of ten. Because the connection's been made. Because it's already made. They know they're talking to somebody real, and they want they they they're more comfortable with the phone call. And it's not a cold call, or it's not a even though they inquired with me, um, <laughs> it's not that type of call anymore. It's more of a hey, let's get you know, let's get the ball rolling, let's get something going, um, and they can do that you know via starting with the text and maybe leading to a phone call, and then you know leading to a sale. Um, and I think I only see it growing, you know, I only see 100%. this side of it growing. Um, and I've been in the BDC for 16 years, <laughs> I know, sadly, <laughs> but the reason I'm in it is because it's constantly changing. Where yes. was this four years ago? I mean, why wasn't I doing this? You know, and I, as the time goes on over the 16 years, um, you can point out to things and say, oh, I remember that. I remember when we changed and, mm -hmm. and that we're doing that right now. We're pointing at it and we're saying, hey, here we are. We're making a change. It's it's going to be different moving forward. And uh, that excites me. Uh, and it does. It is. And, it is and it's not boring. No, you know? it is and not. That's it why I'm not. in there. What do you, you know? what do you do again? I'm a... <laughs> You, you know, got, you guys, you you guys have been so much fun. You thank you. Me. Thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been a lot of fun. Thank uh, you so thanks much. Thanks for having us. Thanks for the invite. And to my mom, this is water. Don't worry. <laughs> thanks for tuning in to the Matador Yachtcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to check out the full podcast library at matador.ai to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.